Welcome to Adventures in Business. This is a show where we have thought-provoking conversations with founders, CEOs, and business leaders of various industries to learn about their stumps, falls, trials, tribulations, and successes on how they manage the current business environment. Join our hosts, Mandy Graziano and Amani Roberts, as we chat with our next guest. All right, here we are. We're here July 10th. Uh, <laughs> well, welcome back, Mandy. How are we doing today? Uh, what's new? <laughs> oh, Amani, so much is new. I, I do want to say, I think not the newest, but the most exciting thing coming in here into July is our one-year anniversary of the show. Yes. It's two weeks yes. from now. Is that, two is weeks that nuts? That's fantastic. We celebrate in two weeks. Two weeks. So that's not new, but it's something that's been on my mind. And I'm so excited for our actual one-year anniversary show coming up in a couple of weeks. So that's uh, that's happening in my world. The other thing that is new as of yesterday is uh, my voice is like B. Arthur. R.I.P., <laughs> the best of all the Golden Girls and Maude, yes. B. Arthur. I got a cold over the weekend. I think I got it last week, but it did not really actualize until like this really deep, like I smoked a carton of cigarettes <laughs> voice until right. this morning. So everybody bear with me. I've, I just took a Hall's mentholiptus, but it's still, she's still a little deep today. Okay. Yeah. Right. What about you? You just went on a vacation. You were on a lake. Tell us about it. Yes. Yes. I was up in Minnesota on a solo writing retreat and um, the right across the street from me was Lake Superior. So it was very picturesque. It was very relaxing, but I did a lot of writing. So that was very helpful. Um, and that was fun. Then went to Chicago for a wedding. So got back. We're here this week. Then I get on the road again next week. But the lake, that was a good experience. Good for me to get away. First time since pre pandemic a while since I took like a solo trip. So that was good. Oh, wow. That was good. That was real good. Are, yeah. Are you able to tell us what your book is going to be about or is it a secret? It's not a secret. The book is about why there are no longer any black R&B groups in existence. What I was writing when I was away was the, you have to go every decade. So the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, the top 10 to 11, because there's some honorable mention groups, a little history about them, and then I had to go through that for each decade. So I got all the way through pretty much through the early 90s. So it was like 35 chapters. Or it was a lot of chapters. And so I'm still writing now. I might even do another solo retreat in August. We'll see somewhere kind of more local. But that's what I was doing. I love a little focus retreat. When I was writing my book, I did that once a month. I went to either a local hotel. It was two nights, three days, just hunkered down, removed myself for the normal it's good to yeah. do. I think especially if you're writing or just trying to focus on something. I think it's I yeah. think it's awesome. Yeah, that was good. Troy Hooper, we see you in the chat. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Troy. Uh, we, we've got an amazing guest today. Who are we getting the opportunity to talk to today? Well, everybody better get your pens and papers ready. <laughs> get your chalk and chalkboard and slate ready to rock because this person is going to drop some knowledge nuggets. We have a special guest today. She is a two-time TEDx speaker. She is a founder of Heather Cox Codes. She has a spectacular blog. Her ebook is loaded with tips and tricks. She's mm. a mom to dogs and birds and cats and humans. <laughs> and she's a social media strategist. So I would just love to welcome Heather Cox. Thank you for being yes. here. Yes. Welcome. You. We're some applause. Hi. Yes. Hi. Yes. Welcome. All right. Shout out. Mai is in the chat too. It's good to see you, Mai. Um, well, we 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 want to get right to it, Heather. And I think the first question is hot off the press. Um, threads launched last week. You've been very active. What should we know about threads? What do you predict will happen? How good is our security? Because we know how meta can be. Give us some your thoughts and opinions on threads and we'll let that lead the way. Yeah, thank you so much guys for having me. This is like so much fun and I'm excited to get in the conversation with you all. Um, well, threads, as 
as many people know, is the Twitter's dupe or Twitter knockoff uh, that Meta, Instagram, and Facebook decided to come out with. Um, Threads has been around for a minute, but then it was inside the Instagram app. But then they took that function away and they created kind of like its own standalone app. Um, if you want to sign up for Threads, go ahead and just sign in using Instagram because if you already have Instagram, it is so easy to log in with threads to threads because of the streamlined process and and that's one of the things that i noticed at first was that streamlined process because i mean i've been on the i've been on the internet since myspace my guys and <laughs> just having to sign up for a social media app and and go through the process and add your email and that username and that bio and that link and that profile photo and followers and it's just it's so time consuming and that's what puts a lot of people off on joining a new social media platform but with this i mean threads is integrated with an instagram so you can literally import your bio import your profile photo import your link import literally everything from instagram to threads so that was like the biggest thing that I noticed first was the streamlined process of signing up. So okay. um, let's see. Oh, and then one other tip that I feel like nobody has talked about in all of the educational carousels that I've been seeing on Instagram, <laughs> which is the continuation of a thread. So if you press enter once, it does a line break. So there's like a sentence on top of a sentence. If you hit enter twice, it gives you that like space between the paragraphs. So like here's your paragraph and then here's your other paragraph with your line break. But if you press enter three times, that actually will break into a new thread that is attached to your thread that you're already existing. So if you see over on Twitter, you're kind of adding your, you know, your 200 80 characters, I think it is, but then you can press that little plus sign and add a new tweet, which is a thread, a Twitter thread, essentially. Um, they have that same capability over on threads. You just have to hit enter three times. So I think those are the two things, the streamline process and the creation of like multiple threads, I think is like super cool. Now, I know this is new, right? Obviously, we're five days in, 100 million followers, which is pretty record setting. But there are still some people like I know for our show, even with LinkedIn, we'll be like, just join our LinkedIn live. They're like, I don't know how to get to it. I don't know how to find. It. So I know we spend a lot of time educating people on like, click the bell and you automatically be, you know, you'll see live or just go to my profile. How would people use threads? So let's just pretend it's somebody that has like 60 followers on Instagram they go on every now and again, but they kind of like Twitter, but they want to try threads out. Like, how, how are you seeing people using it? And what is an advantage of using this over Twitter? In your opinion, because I know we're all still learning. It's still new. Right. right. So within my personal and professional opinion, um, I'm probably going to make some people mad, but I don't care. Twitter's toxic. <laughs> Twitter's a very toxic place. So if you want to get away from that toxic environment totally get on threads um i used to be on twitter a lot um but i've kind of like stepped back because again it's just become so toxic over there you don't know who's legit everything is like i'm a millionaire in five days here's my thread to like help you become a millionaire which like no um so <laughs> threads is a much like happier place right um and i feel a little safer putting my information out there on threads and i know that's kind of crazy since a lot of people are like oh my gosh like the privacy and the information that they're taking from us it's the same amount of information that twitter takes from us mm -hmm. it's just that nobody wants i mean i've seen so many news articles where it has that screenshot of what threads is like getting from you in regards to data Twitter is the same thing. It's literally the same thing. They just didn't add the Twitter screenshot to the news article. So uh, it's a better place for community. Uh, it's not toxic. And then the way that I'm using it is kind of like a brain dump. Like uh, it's difficult sometimes for me to get on uh, a video. I mean, I don't know if you can hear, I got parakeets in the background right now. And so like creating a video, you know, I'm going to have to go in another room or yada, yada, yada. So, you know, just like just brain dumping into a thread and and giving tips and tricks but also like a little bit of behind the scenes about me because I don't feel like it's such a toxic environment 
where I actually feel like, okay, like maybe I can tell people that, you know, I was going through some shit and that's why you haven't seen me. Yeah, I'm scared of flying and I'm going to jump on a plane soon. So um, more personalized, but also uh, it's, it's less toxic over there. So I think that's just the main takeaway that I have so far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just got to ask you about the toxicity. How long do you think threads can keep that out of there? Because it's very challenging for platforms. Once, you know, you get mass adoption, how long can it stay that way? Well, here's the thing. They're already censoring stuff over there. And, but that's, but (laughs) they're not censoring me talking about social media. They're not censoring you talking about your food. They're censoring hate speech and bigotry. Like we don't, that's not the type of like place that I want to hang out in. So they're already kind of like censoring that kind of stuff and removing posts that may have a tinge of racism and bigotry. And so again, it's definitely less toxic. Yes. Some people may fly under the radar. Um, but, and, and every, I mean, come on, every app is, has some level of toxicity to it, right? I mean, it is social media. So there's going to be the good sides and the bad sides of every social media platform. True. And I think you just have to get on. Like, I think it's just start, just, just experiment. If you haven't been on a platform before, I think this is like a really safe platform to get on and just experiment, experiment with different posts and see. Um, I have a question for you, Heather, about, Hashtags. So in, in terms of what you've seen, uh, is, is, is our hashtags a thing on threads? Are they not a thing? How do we use hashtags on threads? And for the people out there that don't, don't use their social media as much for their business, which is totally cool, can you just give an overview of the value and how to use hashtags or why you should use hashtags for your posts on all platforms? Right. So um, in regards to hashtags, I'll start with like what they are. Basically, they're just kind of like a tagging mechanism. And it's actually used universally between online, like Google searches to Instagram, to Facebook, to Twitter, to TikTok, to Snapchat, even like on my phone in my notes section of my iPhone, you can actually type in hashtags in your notes and it becomes highlighted and you can actually click on it and it'll take you to a search. So, I mean, hashtags are kind of like a universal language that helps categorize things, right? Also helps you find things because they're categorized. That's, mm-hmm. that's all they are. So like people who say like, oh yeah, like use this hashtag strategy and you'll go viral. Like, eh, probably, probably not. Um, but it, it's all about categorization. So with threads, they have not introduced hashtags yet, but it is coming down the pike that they are. Um, going to be introducing hashtags to the platform. Now, I already use hashtags on all platforms. I don't even mm-hmm. care if they don't, like, the mechanism isn't there yet. I'm yeah, still I using too. it yeah, yeah, because yeah. It's, it's, it's a call to action to me, right? So this up here is actually a bumper sticker that goes on the back of my car. So, like, mm-hmm. while I'm driving around, people could take that call to action if I'm in traffic, if I'm in, you know, uh, a line at Starbucks. People will see that, and they'll search for me on whatever the platform they choose. So um, if you do search for hashtags on threads, my profile does come up. So, mm. you know, and, and, and think about it not as like a hashtag with a mechanism, but right now as a keyword, because it may not have that hashtag mechanism that's linking everything, but it's still considered a keyword. So, you know, again, as a, if you're using your branded hashtag, love it, like include it in your threads if you want. If you want to jump on like, before they add the mechanism. Um, But, you know, use it in your threads, but then I'll use other hashtags. I've used hashtags like uh, I've created this thread called Thread Thoughts or Through the Thread. And so I I hashtag that, right? So I hashtag people that I may be, like I hashtagged uh, Adventures in Business today on one of my threads. Thank you. So, you know, um, you're just using it as a keyword right now until they add that functionality. And I think for people that are out there that are using this for business and they're just like, you know, learning how to use all the platforms, a hashtag is a way you can be found. It's a way somebody's going to search for you on the internet. So, um, you know, that's, that's, I learned that, you know, a couple of years, three, two or three years ago, and I'm still learning about it, but I was just, I noticed some people on threads use the hashtags and stuff. I use them no matter what, but I've noticed some do and some don't. So I was curious about that. So thank you for explaining that. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, yeah. you talked about some features that are coming soon. 
one of my favorite things about Twitter was lists, how you can put people on different lists and just go to right to the list. You can see what they're doing and miss all the junk. So um, first, my question is into the chat. I see Jen is in the chat. So hello, Jen. I don't want to mispronounce your last name. I think it's Baird, but I'll do that. If you have questions for Heather in the chat, put them there. We'll ask. Um, what do you feel are going to be the next kind of features that are going to be added to Threads to continue to help its growth? So, I mean, to be honest with you, I really, really, really hope they do not add DMs because I really <laughs> liked the funnels from, remember, okay, Mandy, you know, probably know this in the beginning of Clubhouse, they didn't have a back chat. That's so right. it There's funneled no everybody to Instagram to that DM feature and that grew your Instagram following, right? So yeah. you think about it. I don't think they should add DMs because then that could help from threads funnel over to Instagram, create new followers over there and then get them in the DMs. I think that would be a great strategy. Um, so, I mean, yes, they say DMs are coming. I just pray they're not because I just, Plus, with like the social media DM strategy of like cold messaging, it's just mm -hmm. ugh, it's just too much. Um, I know, or they were gonna add. Oh God, what did I read? I forget what I read. I know they said some of the DMs and the hashtags, but I don't. Somebody was saying like adding audio to it. And I was like, please don't, because mm. like I feel like many platforms have tried that. Instagram's already tried audio. Facebook tried audio and that didn't really work and they took that away. So I really don't think that, that they should go the audio route at all. So I'm, yeah. I'm hoping for less functionality over there um, to help, I don't know, create like a funnel. And then like with the lists, I see what you're saying and I really hope they add that. And then also like a search tab for like maybe hashtags um, and maybe relevant content. So instead of seeing like a discover page, you'll see a page that like pulls information from your post and then gives you like relevant content that could possibly be related to something that you've already posted. So like today I posted Wild Wonder, which is like a probiotic soda. And like, I just think that would be really cool if they did it that way instead of, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just like, I, I look away and I look up because I'm like in my like brain and I'm like, dude, that would be such a cool function. So <laughs> thinking. Yeah. Now, we have a lot of platforms out there. You've got Threads, which is probably becoming the most popular very quickly. You also have Blue Sky. You have Spill. What are your thoughts on some of the other new products? They're all kind of aimed at kind of taking over the space that Twitter used to have in the market, but they've destroyed thanks to their new, you know, CEO or whatever. Uh, what are your thoughts on the new ones? And then my follow-up question is, how do you manage all of them? <laughs> Uh, I'm not a fan of new ones. I mean, Threads, I thought was a, a, a great app and a platform that already had an already existing follower base in there. So I feel like that, I mean, I don't like Blue Sky. I don't like Mastodon. I don't like uh, Be Real. It's just, they're all trying to grab from, you know, the already existing social media landscape. And it's kind of like, uh, kind of putting us into different buckets. And then we're all just separated so much that like there's only a certain amount of like followers you can now get on that platform because we segmented everybody out to like different social media platforms. Like I'm waiting and that's and that's why I really thought Threads was great because the Fediverse, which they mentioned, um, and that is basically like a decentralized following where you can take your followers with you. Hmm. So like you know, and they were talking about, I think, because Mastodon, I think they were mentioning, and I heard someone say that, like, Mastodon, if you left threads and, and signed up for Mastodon, you could take your followers with you over there. So it's like this, this fediverse, which is like decentralization of followers, which I thought was really interesting, because, like, why do I want to go start another platform that I got to start at zero? Like, I've been doing that for so long. With every new platform, yeah, you've got to grow followers every single time yeah right so um and then i'm sorry what was your follow-up question because i get like in my brain it's like, yeah no it's, um, <laughs> how do you manage it all it's, it's so much to manage it can be very overwhelming and then i have a question from the chat i'm going to ask you after that yeah so managing it all i mean 
if you need somebody to manage it for you. <laughs> Hi, my name is Heather and I do that. Um, but, uh, you know, you, there's uh, scheduling platforms like Loomly.com, which is what I use. Shout out to Loomly. Um, they're woman owned and operated. Great customer service. Um, I use Loomly. I'll use like Planoly sometimes, Later.com. But like Threads is not integrated into that yet because they have not released their API. So we're able to connect the newest Threads to a scheduling platform. So, and I have not seen Threads being able to be scheduled on the back end of Meta over on Meta Business Suite, but I feel like that's coming because why not, right? It's within the Meta, meta ecosystem. Um, so using schedulers to plan things out, using a content calendar to plan out your month in advance. So you wake up and you're like, what do I have to post? Oh my God. Like, you know, you have everything planned out, ready to go for you. Um, and you can even go a step further and schedule it out and even post your first comment using a scheduler. So, um, yeah, scheduling it and hiring social media managers like me. <laughs> All right. Boom. Yeah. So Mai has a question from the chat. Thank you, Mai, for your question. Hi, Mai. Does the post on Threads does the post on Threads integrate with Instagram? So there's two ways in which that you can integrate your Threads post into Instagram. One, you can share it directly to the stories, um, and that's like the little airplane button. You click that adds to stories it'll give you like a really cool dynamic background and i know a lot of people are like i hate the background i love the background i'm here about the background because that's mm -hmm. less work i have to do to make mm -hmm. a background mm -hmm. um and then the next one is also airplane add to feed so you can integrate it and share it over to your instagram there's no way to share an instagram post to threads yet and i'm waiting for that capability as well because why not right so you can like cross pollinate back and forth your your content Okay. And I, Heather taught me something really awesome last week. So my, this may also answer is um, when you have, when you post something on thread and you, you, you use the airplane to share on stories, then when you're on Instagram, then it says view on threads and you can click on that and it takes you back to threads. So I thought that was really cool, especially for a show like ours, Amani, where mm -hmm. we're sharing podcast clips or we're sharing sample speeches or we're sharing that kind of thing um, because, you know, the interfaces on a lot of platforms, it doesn't go directly to your YouTube channel where the, where everything is. It takes you through a couple screens, but threads takes you directly to the YouTube channel link, which I thought, Heather, you, when you talked about that last week, I was like, I, I, that I, wasn't I, me. That was Elizabeth, well, actually. I remember well, that. That was Elizabeth. But um, shout out I see to what Izzy you're Inks. saying. Yes, yeah. Shout out to Izzy. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, that capability was great because you're not staying in the app of their own browser window, right? So like if you click on an app on Facebook or a link on Facebook, it takes you within the, the app browser. But it mm -hmm. does take you directly over to that app, which is, I think, another great like thing about yeah. threads because no other app does that because all apps are greedy and they want you to stay on their platform and they don't want you to go look at a link because and that's why they have those pop-up browsers within the app itself because they want you to stay on the platform but with this i feel like threads is more like democratized a little bit more decentralized in that type of way yeah so i have a question because you know just taking it bigger than threads right so you see so many people with so many clients doing so many great things and so many big no-nos. So if you were to say, you know, what are the top three things people are doing wrong with their social media right now? What are they? And I know that's a wrong is somebody's wrong might be somebody's right, but what are your top three no-nos and what are your top three to-dos for social media right now? Okay, so I'm going to go through the to-dos because those are super easy compared to like the no-nos because I could go on forever about that. Uh, <laughs> one is uh, the, the to-dos is you want to have your same profile picture across all platforms. So if you're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Pinterest, TikTok, YouTube, Threads, Facebook, did I say that? Instagram, whatever, however many there are right now. Uh, make sure your profile, oh, LinkedIn. I forgot about LinkedIn. Sorry, guys. Um, the Your profile photo is the same across platforms. Now, mine is not my TEDx talk photo across platforms. I have a really cool sunglasses looking meme thing, whatever uh, avatar that I use. But for LinkedIn, I use more of a professional one. Yeah. Um, 
But that's my number one tip. The same profile photo across all platforms because if all of your people drop off on Twitter because Twitter decides to implode, then they can find you easily by saying, oh, I recognize that photo. Okay, well, then that's obviously her. So uh, that's cohesion with profile photo. That's number one. Number two, branded hashtag, obviously, across all platforms because that's super important for search engine optimization and searchability. So like mine, hashtag Heather Cox codes, if you put that within Google, every single social media profile will pop up and I'm waiting for threads to pop up on my Google search because I have hashtag Heather Cox codes within my bio mm. and you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's threads, it's threads.net backslash at symbol Heather Cox codes. That's the URL, but that URL is being indexed. Threads.net is being indexed by Google search, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that you have a branded hashtag to kind of like help with that overall web of your branded hashtag to help the search. So number one, cohesion with profile photo. Number two, branded hashtag. Number three, make sure your link works <laughs> on, yeah. on your stuff. <laughs> Because I'll see people like you click a link and then it's like to this website that's like so outdated and you're like, what is happening here? So just check your link, people, because yeah. sometimes you'll be doing social media and then you're trying to drive traffic with a call to action and then there's no action because they can't take the action because your shit's broken. The old so. 404, the old 404 <laughs> website. Right. Yeah, no, I've seen that. Right. Yeah. Um, and then my top three, like, do not do this, please, or I'll cry. Don't use a image that you just find on Google with a watermark. I swear, I don't know how many times I've seen, and like big brands do this, where they have a photo and they are using it, I don't know, like happy 4th of July or something, but like they get it from a website that they should be paying the image for, and then they don't, then they just download it and there's a watermark all over it. And it's just like, guys, like, Put a little more effort, please. So that's my number one biggest pet peeve ever. Number two is, um, so I call it the verticalization of social media. So Instagram kind of got rid of like, hey, don't be posting squares. Don't be posting horizontal. We want to do more of a vertical four by three, you know? So like, and, and it's kind of like everybody's, you know, putting their phone like this now. So people aren't turning their phone anymore to consume content. So try to keep it vertical. That's four by three or 1080 by 1350 is the pixels, right? If you're going to go over on Canva, Canva does not have a setting for that, which blows my mind. Canva, please get on that. So a 1080 by 1350, that's a vertical four by three photo for Instagram. So that's my, my two top two so far. My last one, I think just like, don't be a jerk. <laughs> Good life like, lesson, just in general, yeah. <laughs> because there's like, so you know, like you could post something and you're trying to be like happy and, and excited and then somebody just comes in and, you know, rains on your parade. Like I love that Gary Vee likes to be positive and stay positive and, and screw what everybody else thinks. And like, you're awesome the way you are. And like, don't listen to the haters because the haters are the ones who have the problem and they're just projecting. So everybody just needs to be a little nicer on social media, especially with every what everybody's going through, the rise in mental health issues. And, you know, it's just, yeah. So just don't be a jerk. Great tips, solid tips, says Jen Isham. Hope I said your last name right, Jen. Uh, thank you for joining us. Maybe now's a good segue because the other hot question I have is I want to, get a TEDx talk. How have you been able to get two of them? Okay. So first, <laughs> okay. So the only reason why I did two TEDx's is because I blacked out on my first one. I don't remember what happened. I literally, I, I try to think back and I just, I can't remember what I said, what I did. Thank God there was video in the video. Not, <laughs> not the bad. <laughs> So, and because like, I was just like sweating, I was just like, so like, I, I don't even remember it. I blacked out. So the organizer was like, look, we'll give you one more try to do it. And, and 
mind you, this was the first ever public speaking engagement that I've ever done ever in my whole entire life. It's amazing. I, I have stage fright and I'm going to give Clubhouse a big nod because Clubhouse kind of helped me get over that stage fright, you know, like there would be rooms with like thousands of people in them and I would be like so scared to even just like raise my hand and then finally I did it and I was like if I could speak on stage to a thousand people I could do this so I was like you know what let's go big so um a friend of mine Robbie Jester shout out to him he is the owner of Great Big great big jerk uh, jerk chicken and brisket and all the yummy yummy goodness uh, smoking meats um and then also uh food circle food I believe that's it anyway he was a tedx speaker and i was like dear robbie i have lots of things to say <laughs> i would love an introduction so he introduced me to the tedx organizer and then i worked with him uh for months um dan the organizer of tedx dover and tedx wilmington and wilmington women um and i worked with him for months to craft my tedx and then the day came where i was supposed to do it in dover i did it i blacked out and then um the next one i i did much better so that is the one that you see um on ted.com and youtube um is the one that i did uh, the second time so um, I, yes, I am a two-time TEDx speaker, but just because I blacked out the first time. And, I like the you know. retry. You're the retry TEDx speaker, but that's <laughs> encouraging. I think there's a thought out there that like, if you do a TEDx talk, you have to have been a speaker for all these years and it's super hard to get into. And, you know, I've learned a lot about the TEDx processes. Like sometimes that particular destination isn't looking for your big idea at that moment, but there's always mm. a destination looking for your big idea. And, and you just, I like that you reached out to an expert. You, you, you networked within your resources and then you failed and then you failed forward and you were super successful the second time. Now I have a question about your actual talk. If you haven't seen Heather's talk, watch it. I think it's like six minutes and 17 seconds yeah. or something. It's really, it's really, really good. But I picked up a tip from it that I did not know that in 1988, the women business ownership act was signed. 1988 was the first year that women were allowed to get a loan without a male signature. So that just blew my mind. And I that was how you opened it, being at a memorial. So can you just share how you came up with the idea of making your TEDx speech a memorial to bid farewell to the girl boss and the femme Shepreneur and all that stuff. And then I want to talk about those concepts in the business community right now too. So like that, that tell us all of it. Yeah. So, um, there was a, so I've been in business for 15 years and whenever a lot of the time I would approach people for, for work, you know, and they would say, Oh, are you doing like an MLM? Are you doing um, like an up or an upline or a downline? Are you are you a boss babe? Because I don't work with them. And I'm like, no, I'm a business owner. <laughs> I have been a business owner for over a decade. I am not a boss babe. We're not around here calling men boss men. You get boss it, boss queen. man, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so that was my thought process. Like, I'm tired of this, like this demeaning just infantilizing like just gross type of like moniker and yes it was created by women for women yes and I totally get that and it worked for a while but now it just feels like not equal and it, it just constantly reminds us that women business owners are at a disadvantage and I don't want to be reminded anymore like I I'm sorry I can run circles around a lot of male business owners um, but yet I'm still deemed a boss babe and I don't, you know, I don't really agree to that. Um, and then there was also that, uh, oh my gosh, that Hulu documentary about Lou LaRoe that came out at that time. And I was just literally finishing up my TEDx and I was like, this is freaking like perfect. Like this is like perfect timing. Um, because there's a lot of pushback from, you know, um, about just being called a fempreneur and a CEO and it's just, 
you know, I come from a very long line of strong, independent business owners. My mom's a business owner. My older sister's a business owner. My younger sister's a business owner. We're all freaking business owner. I, I technically, I'm a third generation business owner because my great aunt owned a speakeasy in Canada and she got <laughs> shut down by Al Capone. So it's like, <laughs> so it's like, I don't need to be a boss, babe. I'm a boss period. <laughs> so yes. that was the reason why I did it because I was like, I want some equality up in here. And, and the memorial was like, okay, instead of like, you know, giving our roses and whatever, like, what can we do to change this? What can we do to bring more equality within, um, you know, women business owners, um, you know, more capital, more funding, um, more education, less toxic positivity, more just being about an entrepreneur. I just think it was a brilliant way to start a TEDx talk of like welcoming everybody to the memorial for Boss Babe. I just thought it was so awesome. I love that. Yeah, well thank you. Shout out uh, Tom Griggs in the chat. Hortensia is here too. And I answer your question, Hortensia. And it's Jen Isham. So thank you for letting me know the proper pronunciation, Jen. I appreciate that. What would be three tips for people such as myself, you know, I'm being selfish and asking this, asking this question like, who want to get on the TED stage, TEDx stage, what would be three things we should do like right now if we have something already that we want to talk about? What, what should we do? So the first thing that I did was I looked up my local TEDx. So I went to Google and I just searched TEDx, my city and state. So it's TEDx Wilmington, Delaware. And then I found the website and then I found the organizer. And then I found out the organizer was no longer the organizer. So then I had to go find, you know, more research, right? And then, um, you know, looking at, okay, who has done a TEDx? Can I tap into my already existing network, right? So just think about how, and then also using like, just the community because it is local, right? So, you know, there's sometimes like TEDx meetups, a lot of the time TEDx organizers will get together and, you know, they'll have the, the previous speakers do like a happy hour and you can try to find that information and kind of like hobnob with them and then kind of get your foot in the door. There's many things, you know, and then also like, oh, okay, I know. And that's exactly, and again, shout out, shout out to Robbie Jester. I knew him from previous circles, granted, Delaware's really small. Um, but I knew him from previous circles and me working in the restaurant industry um, for social media. He's also runs in that circle. So, um, you know, just kind of like working and speaking with him and being like, hey, like I, I have something to say and just kind of tapping into that already existing network that you have. But if you want to start, look up, look up TEDx, your city and state, and that should get you on your way. All right. OK, so that's some good uh, TEDx talk advice thank you for that we can kind of shift back to um let's see here like social media and then i have another question from the chat i'll ask after this one but if you could go back in history and bring back one social media platform that has died but you think could do well in the current era what would you bring back lots of memorial talk today <laughs> good thing you two my space <laughs> my space tom i miss you i miss my top eight can we please bring back MySpace? It, and, and, and the reason why I say that is because MySpace taught me how to code. Because back in the day, you used to be able to like go on the back end and like edit your background and, and have GIFs on the background and photos and sparkles. And like, I did that, you know, add music to your profile. That was all in HTML. So a lot of people learned how to code that way. So I, I say bring back MySpace. We miss Tom. Get out of here, Elon and Zuck. I don't care about your cage match. Just bring Tom, please. <laughs> okay. Since we're we're here streaming on LinkedIn now, this is a good question. Thank you, Mai. She wants to know, and I'm, I'm sure Mandy and I also would love to know, any tips on how we can increase our LinkedIn profiles, like enhance, excuse me, our LinkedIn profiles and increase engagement on specifically LinkedIn, which is where we're live streaming to. Yeah, I am a nerd with LinkedIn. I really love LinkedIn. Um, and I, I, granted, I don't post a lot, but that doesn't mean that I'm not <laughs> doing things on the back end and like, you know, talking to people. Um, so my number one thing is tagging people, but making sure that you're tagging appropriately. I cannot stand when somebody is tagging me in a post and there's nothing to do with me, nothing to do with my industry, nothing. Stop it. Don't do it. You look spammy. You look like a boomer. Knock it off. So 
I, but if it has to do with somebody, so let's say, Mandy, that uh, you wanted to feature one of my uh, blog posts from the Cox Code, you would copy the title, put by Heather Cox Codes and tag me, excerpt, link, hashtags, and then you just shared a blog post and you tagged me in it. And they're like, oh my God, thank you so much. And then I'd repost that with a quote. Oh my gosh, thank you, Mandy, so much for featuring me on your LinkedIn. That's amazing. And then more people. So so doing the collab with the with the ads, I believe, and, and the connections is huge. I'm 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 working with a um real estate conference uh that's out that was just out in California. And I mean they have grown. We post every day. We don't skip weekends. Don't skip weekends. Why would you do oh. that? I don't understand why people don't skip weekends. Like people are mm-hmm. literally still on LinkedIn. Yeah, they may not be at their desk, but they're still perusing and reading things, right? So that is a mm-hmm. whole bunch of time that you guys are missing out on. Post on weekends, mm-hmm. please. Even if it yeah. doesn't have to do with, you know, oh, this event's happening today. Like go back to the archives and like put something about the news, something that's going on with you in your business. You don't have to like direct it always to a call to action, but post every day. Post every day and and, and tag people if it's relevant. Interesting. Okay, that's the first time I heard someone say don't skip weekends. Do you have any success <laughs> success stories you want to share about the benefits of that? Because you, like you mentioned, people like to take a break on the weekends, but we're still on our phones and our computers looking and doing work. So any success stories that have come from that? I mean, I mean, the, re- the reach and engagement that, I'm, uh, that I've seen with my clients that I'm posting on weekends is much higher than those that are not posting on weekends. Because if you think about it, you post, you post, you post. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're up here. Saturday. Sunday, you've slipped back. That's how it works because they want you to stay on the platform. If you post every day, they're going to be like, oh, they're posting every day. They're really active. So you got to keep building the momentum. You can't just post once, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay, bye LinkedIn. I, I I don't think that is a smart strategy because then you're just flipping back in the algorithm and you're not getting picked up on the weekend, which can put you back on Monday. And Mondays are like, the biggest days for press releases and like things for business. So like, why would you not want to keep up that momentum on Saturday and Sunday? So like doing a like teaser for like, Oh my God, on Sunday night, I cannot wait to reveal what's happening on Monday. Please stay tuned or LinkedIn. And then like, you'll get much more engagement that way than just ghosting everybody on the weekend and then coming back on a Monday. So yeah, it's much, it's much better when you stay on a platform consistently. This is for every platform. You know, you have to be consistent with these things. You can't stop or the, the computer looks at you and it's like, why'd they stop? Okay, well, I guess I'm not going to push their content anymore. It's kind of the same thing mm-hmm. with TikTok. If you miss a day on TikTok, you're back down to 200 views. But if you <laughs> post every day, you get that momentum. You got to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And what is, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Manny. Then I have more follow-up. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I was going to say LinkedIn's so easy to schedule on too. So you don't have to be working on the weekend. If that's your jam is to take Saturday or Sunday off or Sunday, Monday off, just schedule everything on Friday before you bought out for the weekend. And it's so it's schedule it for all the weekends. It's so easy. It's such an easy, I think it's one of the easiest platforms to schedule, um, to schedule posts on. Yeah. I do have to compliment Mandy. You do a great job with scheduling your posts. Cause I can see when you, they pop up, even if you're away or busy in meetings, I'm like, Oh, well she's in a meeting, but that posted up. So um, good job. You're setting an example for us, Mandy. Thank now, you. Heather, <laughs> what are some <laughs> other things across social media that we could be missing that are really like kind of low hanging fruit where we could add to our daily routine or weekly routine that just how you say post every day, what are some other things we could be doing that we're not doing? Um, that we should really maybe go back to doing again? I mean, hitting all the feeds. I feel like people um, are ignoring specific feeds based off of what they think is correct. So like today, the creators on Instagram just came out and I posted it on my stories, how I've been harping on this forever, that there are multiple algorithms in different feeds of each social media platform. So there is the discoverability algorithm, which is for reels. You need to feed that that real feed that algorithm, right? The stories, that's a completely different algorithm. You got to feed the algorithms. And if there's multiple algorithms, you got to feed it. So I'm tired of seeing static single images on Instagram with like this much of a caption 
and then that's all they do. Or, or the laziest thing, they shared a story. And then like they have this ugly freaking post that's the only story in their stories. So you need to diversify. I feel like everybody needs to diversify their social media posting profile. So like hit the, hit the stories, hit the reels, hit the feed. Um, and then the, the carousel. So like, let's say Facebook, there's three different algorithms. There's the stories, there's the feed, and then there is the uh, reels or Facebook reels. That's three different feeds. You got to feed all of them. Um, so, and, and I mean, I, I, a lot of people don't have the time. But if you utilize schedulers, then, you know, or social media managers, then um, I think your reach and engagement for everybody will will go up because you're you're hitting all of those algorithms, all of those feeds, and you're reaching more audiences because people consume content differently. So like the demographics of the stories is younger, the feed is older, the reel is even younger. So we, we just have to feed all the feeds, man. <laughs> That's the takeaway. <laughs> feed the Great beast. Takeaway. Feed the beast. Mm -hmm. all, all the meals. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, let's look ahead a little bit. So right now it's 2023. If we go back to 2018, we might not have predicted threads would be here. We might not have predicted the decline of Twitter. We might not have predicted the importance of live streaming in terms of video. Let's go ahead and what predictions do you have for 2028 in terms of what platforms will still be around, which ones could be on their way out, and what should we be, what should we be doing now to prepare? So, oh God, Facebook's still going to be around, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> Twitter might not be here. Twitter might be gobbled up by another by Meta or another platform may buy them because Elon didn't even want to buy Twitter in the first place. He got forced into it by the courts so uh he may sell and get rid of that so that may not be around tiktok will still be here snapchat still here but they're kind of like hanging on by a thread um i'm really looking forward to more of like the decentralization and the fed of fediverse right of these social media platforms because that's what i truly want i'm a wordpress nerd right wordpress is completely decentralized i mean you could I mean, sky's the limit with WordPress. It's not a hundred percent decentralized because I'm on a server and blah blah blah. Like I need to like get my own server and website and uh, Wi-Fi and such if I really want to be like decentralized. But um, yeah, I, I I really 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 want social media to become like this, kind of like the metaverse, kind of like crypto, kind of like with the blockchain and decentralized, but. Like, I really hope it goes towards that and more privacy, uh, more fine print when it comes to data and and less scraping of data. But with AI, I mean, I don't really think that's going to stop. So, um, yeah, more protections with privacy. I really hope that happens in the future. But, you know, you never know. I that's, <laughs> that's a good point, because something that you brought up a couple of months ago was two-step off authentic Two-step authenticity. Can you say it for me? Authenticity. Authenticity. Yes. Two-step authenticator. Yeah. Authenticator. Authenticator. So talk about that really quick, because I know we know what that is, but not everybody's doing it. And that's how everybody's Facebook accounts are getting hacked. Different accounts are getting hacked. So just share that with everybody as a, as a little PSA. Yeah, for sure. So um, two-step authentication is where it takes two steps for you to log in, right? So you have your password, which not a lot of people really make strong passwords. So that's my first tip, make a strong password. That's like 20 freaking characters, like, and with lots of symbols, lots of numbers. Um, don't use your birthday. Um, don't use your kid's you know, birthday, don't use your kid's name. Like, come on, let's just be a little smarter because we are in 2023 and people get hacked all the time and they lose their shit and then they get pissed off. Um, so <laughs> strong password, number one, number two, two-step authentication. You can use your cell phone. So like SMS, right? But then you can also use uh, a Google Authenticator. So Google Authenticator is an app and it just connects to your Google account and then you're able to like add um, a rotating uh, pin right that kind of resets itself on a timer so that when you sign in they're going to ask you hey we're going to grab that authenticator code off of the authentication app 
put it in, okay, now we know it's you and you're not trying to hack the system. So um, it's super easy. Thread does not have two-step authentication, but if you have two-step authentication on for Instagram, please do that if you don't. Um, because I mean, last night I got a text, text from a client on a thread and they were like, did anybody try to reset the password? And we're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, two factor authentication on. And they're like, let's check. <laughs> so like this nice. literally happened last night at like 10 at, at 10 at night. So, um, mm -hmm. please put it on, grab Google authenticator. It's super easy. And just make sure you don't switch phones. Um, because Google authenticator will be lost and then that won't be fun. Um, Actually, no, because you can sign in now with Google. So I don't think that's right. a bad issue anymore. Yeah. So Google Authenticator, two-step authentication, please. Okay. Love nice. Good Adriana, thank you. Adriana agrees with you, Heather. She says yes for authentication. Welcome, Adriana. Thank you for commenting. Now, really quickly, before we get back to some more questions, we're going to flip the script. We're going to let you, Heather, ask myself and Mandy a question, any question you want to ask us, and then we'll kind of close out the interview from there. So who do you want to ask a question for first, and what is that question? Well, I kind of want to ask you both a question, a single question. Um, what is it like working with somebody so closely on a podcast? Because I have my own podcast. It's in like remission right now because I'm waiting for my basement and my studio to be done. And then I also went through some shit. But what is it like to like work with somebody else on a podcast? Like what's your favorite thing? And then what's like your not favorite thing? I'll ask you Mandy first, actually. Oh, that's fun. That's your timing's perfect because we just had our weekly meeting before this, before this thing. So I'm sure there's a lot that's fresh. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I I love well, I I think it's that you have to work with the right person, you know? And Amani and I, we we were doing these shows for an organization that we're members of for MPI Southern California. So we sort of had a vibe of how we would interact together on screen. And I think that's important of like. You know, somebody's going to be the chill person that holds it together and the other person's going to be kind of crazy. And I know it's, and I'm definitely the chill person. Um, so, obviously, obviously I'm joking, but you know, I think, I think like the, I think the personality piece is important and it did take us, you know, we've been doing this for a year, right? So I would say the first four or five episodes, we were sort of interrupting each other, talking over each other. We kind of were figuring out like who's going to say what and how. And then we fell into our groove and it's all easy. So I I feel really lucky and blessed that I have Imani to work with on this because I've never done a podcast before, but he's done podcasts. I've been a guest on many, many, many podcasts. So I know how I want to treat our guests because of how I have been treated or not been treated as a guest. So I sort of err on the side of like, a cusp being a servant, being a real good customer servant to our guests and making sure our guests get a lot out of it for their own personal brand and that kind of thing. Um, so, and Amani's obviously really awesome on the technical side of it, but he has all this live streaming experience. I mean, you were there for the tech check that like, I can't do any of the tech stuff that he does. I can do, I can write a script and I can, you know, do great social media. But so I think it's really important to find somebody that balances you or that does stuff that you have no idea how to do. Um, I love that. And I'm, I'm really happy to this is fun. I think this is fun. Yeah. I think the difficult thing is, is like, who's going to do what in the more frequent show, right? Like when we did it once a month, there weren't as many tasks, but when you're doing it weekly, there's just a lot more tasks and the managing of the tasks and the managing of the people that help you with the tasks. So, and we're still working that out. We're only a year in and we're still, you know, that's a normal, I think, growing pains of collaborating on a podcast. Who does what? And, you know, mm -hmm. who do you outsource to? Who do you not kind of thing? I don't know. What do you think, Amani? So I would say like many sum summarized it quite well. And just to add like, um, yes, I love the tech parts. I do well with the tech experimenting, trying to do new things, making sure the guest is comfortable. We look good. We're streaming clean and everything. And like Manny's really talented with like talking to the guests, finding the guests, researching, doing all that. Um, so it's a really good balance because, you know, I'm pretty chill and low key don't get stressed out over most things, you know. And so we have a really good yin and yang and it works very well. And that was apparent from the first time we did uh, the work with MPI Southern California. We could tell right away that we were a good team. So we got to talking. And then the yeah. second time 
Well, we did it again this year after we did the podcast. So it makes sense. We also have very um, diverse networks. So like Manny has a great network of like her people and I do as well. So when you bring us together, we can draw from very different networks, which is very beneficial. And then the hard part, like uh, Manny says, just the kind of the admin stuff, making sure that like I sometimes I feel bad that I feel like Manny's doing more of the admin stuff that I should be doing. But it's it's like hard. It's hard to keep up with it. So you just want to make sure that the responsibilities are as equal as possible. So one person is not working harder on it than the other person. You want to have kind of equal roles split out. So that's kind of how I would answer that question. Great question, though. Yeah, good yeah, question. that's awesome. Is, no, I, never, I love that. I always, and I thought I would do this by myself too. I didn't think I would ever do it with somebody, and I'm glad. I'm so I wouldn't do it any other way now. I mean, I'm really glad that I, you know, that we do are doing this together because it's it's better. It's a it's it's better with somebody. It's better. Mm-hmm. The journey's a little bit better with somebody else. Yes. Yeah. Um, so as we kind of got a couple minutes left, but for like more so, cause you've given us a wealth of knowledge in terms of social media, like posting frequently doing that thing. I do have to ask, what are your, what is your opinion on like video, video on social media and then live video? What are your thoughts? What can we do better? What should we be paying attention to? So, um, <clears throat> short form video, huge. I mean, there's so many platforms that do it now and the discoverability algorithm and feed over on Facebook, they're kind of like pushing that right now. So short form video, I mean, you got to do it vertical, please like this, not like this, like this, (laughs) please. Um, So short form vertical video. And then, um, so there's a really great app called CapCut. I don't know if anybody knows that obviously probably a lot of people do, but there is a template section in CapCut itself. So you can make like people create templates, they're creators, actually, who get paid to make these templates over on the creator fund on CapCut. Um, and you can go in and they're already so you can say, I want to use this template. And then you could just fill in your your video and then it creates that video for you. And then I mean, you can get it done in like 10 seconds. Um Long form video, make sure if you're doing long form video on YouTube, LinkedIn, whatever, wherever you're putting your long form video, make sure you chop it up and put it into a vertical video so that you can disseminate that in shorter bites. Oh my God, I got lost for a second, sorry. Um, so in shorter bites, <laughs> so, like, so like, you know, if you have a long form video and it's horizontal, make sure that you utilize a thing like CapCut to turn your horizontal videos into a vertical video so that you can do those short snippets over on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok so that you can drive traffic to your longer form video. One of the coolest things that I love about YouTube right now is that you go to a long form video and you can clip clip it, literally clip it into a vertical video. And then that vertical video ties to that long form video. So if you are making long form, just you know, download the video and put it in a cap cut and chop it up into however many videos you can get. And and that's how I utilize. And that's how I do my micro podcast. It's not even like a podcast like you guys. It's a micro podcast where I'm sitting in front of a, a, a camera like this. I'm recording for a good hour, two hours, just spitballing about social media and algorithms and you know, whatnot. Um, and then I chop it up. And then I make it into short, consumable, 30 to one minute, like one minute short form videos that doesn't have a long form attached to it. It's just short form. So I've turned it into like this micro video podcast. Um, But just don't discount the short form with your long form. And even putting the long form on TikTok, because what's the length that they could put over there? Like forever uh, it's like an hour or something it's crazy okay. Interesting. And yeah yeah so so don't you know i put my whole entire before the 10 minute feature came out over on tiktok i had to chop up my tedx so it was like part mm-hmm. one part two part three so then now they have that 10 minute feature and i'm like i just put my whole tedx over there just in one video mm-hmm. so now That's people awesome. yeah. can just consume that without having a part one part two part three so yeah just disseminate your long form everywhere. Like it doesn't need to stay on YouTube, put it everywhere. Great tip. Great tip. Kit, I see you in the chat there. She agrees CapCut works. It's the best. So you're speaking our language. 
Mm -hmm. um, what's the best way for people to reach you if they want to maybe follow you, learn more, kind of subscribe to your podcast? What are the best ways? We have your socials linked here on the ticker, but how else can people follow you and support you? Yeah, so everybody can search uh, Heather Cox Codes, my hashtag, on any platform. You can even search in Google. I mean, like, I even have that in, like, media, <laughs> my hashtag. So if you want to read a news article about me, you can also find that on Google. Um, but you can also find me at HeatherCoxCodes.com. Uh, you can also find me on any social media platform with the username at Heather Cox Codes because usernames are important to be cohesive yes. with your brand. <laughs> Yes, they are. Love it. Awesome. I love it. Well, I on like I got my notes here, cap cut. I got feed the feed. You know, I got Ted talk to the local <laughs> meetup. Well, I got my takeaways here. So thank you very much for just being so <laughs> open and honest and just giving us so much great information. Um, so really appreciate that. We'll be sure to continue to check back with you as things progress, specifically with threads. And um, just a round of applause for Heather here. A round of applause. Yes, Heather. We always become a lot smarter every time we talk to you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I just really appreciate it. I, I am. I love you, Mandy. I love you, Amani. You guys are just awesome. So thank you so much. Our pleasure. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in to Adventures in Business. Don't forget to rate and review our podcast on the platform that you're currently listening it on. And don't forget to share it with your friends and anybody that might be as much of the business nerds as Amani and I are. See you next time for another captivating interview.